Welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you with us. We hope this message will encourage and inspire you to walk out your God-given vision. Now here's today's message. Turn in your Bibles over to 1 Corinthians 13. We've been on a love series, which today we're going to wrap up. Next week is Easter. We're excited about that. We'll hope, we hope that you can join us next week. It's going to be amazing. But I'm going to read to you out of the easy-to-read version, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7. Let me read it to you. It says, love never gives up on people. It never stops trusting, never loses hope, and never quits. It never gives up on people, never stops trusting, never loses hope, and never quits. So we want to talk about these four different things uh, today. And so we're going to start with love never gives up on people. Now let me read that same verse to you out of the Amplified. It says, love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. That means things are going to come. Things are going to come that's going to challenge you, your belief in other people, your ability to not give up on other people. And so you're going to have an opportunity to be challenged on that, right? But here's the deal. is If you get hurt, if you get offended, you can't stay in that condition. Okay? You know, the NFL, I remember when Aaron Rodgers, they were interviewing him and they were talking about some injury that he'd had for a long time. And it was constantly in the news. They were constantly talking about this injury that he had. And he said, listen, guys, can we stop talking about my injury? Because he said, you need to know 100% of the guys that are playing in the NFL are playing hurt. Sometimes you have to play hurt, right? You know, I don't know if you guys can identify with this, but I remember one time I bought a new car for me. It wasn't a brand new car, but it was very new. And it was candy apple red. And boy, it was beautiful. It was about the color of Miss Nancy's sweater there. It was gorgeous. I mean, it was, you know, you just, I, I went out after I bought it, and I just kept going out to the driveway to look at it because I just thought how, how beautiful this car is. And even when I drove it to work, I kept looking out the window, you know, at my new car. So you know what I did? I did what a lot of other people do when they buy a newer car is you go to the grocery store, your first trip to the grocery store to a highly congested big parking lot, what do you do? I'm parking way out, man. We're, we're, I'm walking all the way into the store. Why am I doing that? Because I don't want to get a door ding. I don't want to, I don't, better yet, I don't want somebody to back into my car or sideswipe it or something, you know. And so, you know, I parked all the way out there. But then I remember one time I was in a hurry, and so I didn't park all the way out. And my car is still new. This is just a few days later. And I... And so I had to park right next, you know, up closer, run in, and I came back out. And as I'm backing out, somebody else was backing out the other side, and we met. And she put a little, you know, their car put a little crease in my back door, you know. And I mean, it was just enough. It wasn't something that you wanted to claim on your insurance, but it was enough to put a little dent in that back door. Many of you are going, oh. Yeah, and you know what that feeling is like because now what's happened? The newness, gone. So now, guess where I'm parking? Oh, I'm up close every single time now. Because, I mean, it doesn't matter. 
But this is what people do when they're hurt. If they get hurt, they get a dent in the side panel of their life, then all of a sudden they pull away from people. And they park way out in the parking lot. Why? Because they're not dent resistant. They don't, they don't, you know, they don't, they don't want to be hurt again. So they're trying to protect themselves from getting hurt. But here's what happens. Here's the deception in it. Is when you pull away, now you're away from the herd. You're all out there on your own. You're alone. And when you're hurt, you're not in a good position. And that's where the enemy attacks. Now you have become prey. Right? Job said, what I feared the most has come upon me. Fear can draw that to you. What you don't, what you're afraid could happen, that can sometimes pull that to you. Have you well, ever Phil, had that happen? You're, you're talking about a fence. When people take a fence, what comes to my mind is that you build a fence around you. You took a fence, so you have a fence around you. And it keeps people from being able to love you. To, uh, you, think you're, you're, you think you're protecting yourself from, from hurt, from more offense, but you're protecting yourself from the love and the healing and the wholeness that, that, that God wants to bring to your life. Exactly. So, so don't, don't take offense, which would build offense. Man, that's good. I, w- I, I heard this um, from, how many are familiar with Joyce Heatherly? You ever heard of her? She wrote a book called Balcony People. You know, and, and what she talks about in that book is there's basement people. She talks about two different kinds of people. Basement people, balcony people. Basement people are always trying to pull you down, right? It's kind of, I mean, they're, they're you know, kind of critical, and so they're always trying to pull people down. Balcony people are trying to pull people up. You know, you're the average of your five closest friends. Did you know that? In your own life. And so the people that you hang around is is very important because it influences your life. But the reason I'm saying this is because all of us have the ability to influence other people. We all have the ability to add value to other people. And so my question to you is, are you a basement person or are you a balcony person, a person that pulls people up? And some people say, well, you know, I, I don't know that God can really use me. I'm not exactly perfect. Okay. Second Chronicles 16, verse 9, says that God shows himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are perfect toward him. That's the problem, Phil. I'm not perfect. Well, that's not what that means. That doesn't mean that you always do everything right and you never make a mistake. That's not what perfect means in this scripture. What it means is your heart is loyal to God. You're committed to him. Your heart is dedicated to to God, And when your heart is dedicated to God, it makes it more difficult to give up on other people. Why? Because you want to see them, you want to see God do something good in their life. You want to see God take them higher and higher. Because God's a balcony person. Wouldn't you say God's a balcony person? He's somebody that's pulling us up continually. Amen. So, if you're going to pull somebody up, you're going to have opportunities to get over the hurt that's going to come your way. Why? Because you're opening yourself up to people. You're going to be that car. But you don't have to worry about dents being in your side panels in your life. Why? Because God has taken the metal away from you and he has created you now with something called polymer. You know what polymer is? That's what your bumper's made out of. It bounces back. 
And so when, when hurt tries to come your way, it doesn't leave a permanent mark on you when you walk in forgiveness, when you walk in love with other people. Uh, back in 1992, ni- 92 was the year that we were married, by the way. Uh, in 92, the, the Olympics were in Barcelona. All the, all the planets aligned in 92. That's right. That's what it was, yeah. <laughs> and, and the Olympics were in Barcelona, and there was a 400-meter race. There was a guy by the name of Derek Redman, and he was, he was really one of the guys favored to win this race. And he lined up, and he began to run this race, but he had a little bit of a challenge as he was running. But he continued to run his race, and I want you to see his story. Let's take a look at that. I'm remembered for two things. One, for being a part of the winning relay team that defeated the Americans in the 1991 World Championships. But the most famous thing that I'm known for is actually not finishing a race, and it's for the race in Barcelona. Unfortunately, I'd had a few injury problems, mainly with Achilles tendons, and that sort of hampered me through my career. But by the time I was in Barcelona, I felt great. There was no issues, no problems. Derek Redmond, the best form he's shown since he broke the British record, which was way back in 87. And I remember thinking, I'm going to win this race. The gun goes. And I had a really good start. Redmond's got off very fast indeed. I'm flowing down the back straight. And as I describe it, I hear a funny pop. And two or three strides later is then when I felt it, and I felt the sort of the rip of the hamstring. Redmond has broken down. He's on the track, kneeling down, and Derek Redmond, on his injury problem, the jinx has struck again. And I just remember having my hand on the back of the leg and just sort of collapsing to the floor in in pain. Then I remembered where I was, and it was just like, you're in the Olympic semi-final. And that's pretty much what, what made me get up and, and, and start to, to run uh, or hobble. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to finish this race. Um, it might be the last race I ever run, so I'm going to finish it. Not for anybody else, I'm going to finish it for me. And I was just about to start into the home straight and I could sense this person on my left-hand side. And then I heard a, a very familiar voice shout out, Derek, it's me. And instantly I knew who it was. it was, it was my dad. Up until then I'd managed to keep all my emotions in and hold it together relatively well. But as soon as I saw him, that was it. I, you know, I lost it all and I was in tears. I, I can't believe, I can't believe this has happened, why me? You know. With his track record and injuries, it may be his only Olympic appearance. He just can't hold it. He would always have been there with me and he spent many a year standing on the sidelines in the middle of the winter with a coffee in his hands trying to keep warm and all he was saying was look you've got nothing to prove you're a champion to us you'll be back don't worry we'll do this together I just said to him get me back into lane five I want to finish I want to finish just get me back into lane five and the joke that I always make about that is the first and last and only time I've ever been able to shout at my dad and get away with it (laughs) any other time as a kid you would have got a quick smack around the ear and told me less of your cheek we still had officials trying to, to, to stop us. And they're not quite sure what to do. They're thinking, who's this crazy man that's just walked onto the track? Is What's going on? All this sort of stuff. And right up until the point I'd gone over the line and walked through the line, I had no idea the reaction it was having on the crowd. 
weeks and I sort of, you know, had a look around. People were going absolutely mad, everyone was on their feet and all this sort of stuff. Some of the messages and letters and stuff that I get from people say, you know, you have no idea who I am, I'm not in sport, I've been through, you know, some hard times, just want to thank you for your inspiration. It's quite strange that people to this day still find it, you know, inspiring. It's a nice feeling um, that I've done something that has helped so many people in their own ways. There was an outside chance of having a battle for a gold. Does it make up for that? I have to be honest and say no. <laughs> I'm... <laughs> Man, one of the most important people that you should never give up on is yourself. Don't ever give up on yourself. Finish your race. Why? Because people are counting on you. They are. Your life affects a great many people. Amen? So that's number one, is don't give up on people. Love never gives up so on people. So love never gives up on people. And then I'm going to talk about love never stops trusting. And trusting, I, God just took me right to this, to this place. And, and hold with me because it's going to cover everybody. But, but as wives, as wives we get to trust twice. We get to trust God, number one. But then we also get to trust the God in our husbands. So we're, we're in that position of, of trusting God twice. We, that we trust that, that he hears, that our, that our husband hears from God as leader of our home. That's why it's vitally important that we pray for our husbands. Not just to, you know, keep your heart right, but we pray for our husbands that they will hear what God is telling them. Now, our position as a wife places us under our husband's authority. You may think, well, wait a minute. If I do that, I'm going to be, he's going to treat me like a doormat. Or I'm going to be a slave or a housemaid. I don't want to be under anybody, let alone my husband. I'm supposed to be like, you know, right there, right there with him. Well, let, 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 me, let me tell you something that, that God showed me years ago. We used to have a young man that would come over to our house a lot. And he ended up actually living in our basement for a season um, just to help him get, get on his feet. But, but he would come over, and, and, I'm, and I'm very hospitable, and so I'm like, serving the guest first. You know, I would, I would just say, hey, what do you want? And I would give him something. Well, the Lord stopped me one day, and he said, serve the king of the house first. And I was like, wow, okay. I'm just so used to serving guests first, you know. But this guy was a little bit more than a guest. He was kind of becoming more of a fixture. But, but I was still treating him as a guest. And, but, but, but when God said, serve the king First. You always serve the king first, no matter all the guests are there for the king, right? But who gets served first? The king. So I literally, Phil, what, what do you want to drink? And so I started serving him before our guest. And so you're like, wait a minute, now you're calling your husband a king? Well, you know what? He, the Lord said, when you, when you properly place your husband as the king in your home, that elevates your position. Because is a king ever, ever married to a doormat? Is a king ever married to a, a maidservant or to a slave? No, the king is always married to the queen, right? So you, you elevate your own position to queenness, to queenship, when you treat your husband like a king. 
Well, that transcends and transforms into business, too. You may think, well, well, I, I don't want to be under my supervisor. They're not a godly person. They're, they're not righteous. They're, you should hear how they talk. Well, you know what? You can elevate your position when you honor your supervisor, when you honor your, your, your supervisor. That makes you the administrative assistant. Well, wait a minute. I'm just working in the mailroom, or I'm down here. Well, no, when you honor those before you, when you honor those around you, you elevate your own position to, to, in God's eyes and in your eyes and everyone else. You're like, wait a minute, you're serving that person. Well, wait a minute, we're talking about trust right now. You may think, well, I, it's hard to trust my husband. It's hard to trust people that, 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 are, that are in authority. You may have trust issues. You may have been burned. My mom used to say, I can't throw them as far as I can trust them. And it's like, trust uh, as far as I can throw them. I can't trust them as far as I can throw them. And I was like, well, okay, that's kind of a, yeah, I don't even get the, the saying right because I don't even say it. <laughs> no, but she, have you ever heard that statement before? I don't trust them as far as I can throw them? Well, if you have trust issues and maybe you've been burned in the past because maybe you've become calloused because you've been, you've, you've trusted and then you've been burned. And you're like, what, 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 what what do you, how, where do you go from here? Well, remember, that's why we trust God, number one. When we put our trust in him, he will take care of us. When, I'm, when I put my trust in, 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 in God and I come under authority, I'm taken care of. Because no matter what my husband does here, there, yonder, I'm protected under God's protection because I'm trusting God, number one. All right? And it says in John 16, 13, that he, God, by his spirit, will guide us into all truth. So I don't know if I can trust this person or not, but you know what? God says, trust me, and I'll help you maneuver and do what you need to do. It also says in Mark 4, 22, I don't know if you're putting these up, but Mark 4, 22 and Luke 8, 17, you can just write these down that it says nothing is hidden that will not be revealed. So God knows what we don't know. So when God says love, always trust, how can we do that? In God. We trust in God. So as parents, we can ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what our kids are doing. As supervisors, we can... Ask God to reveal to us what's going on in the ranks so that we can address issues. We can pray. We can, sometimes when our kids come to us and they start telling us things, you know what, I already know. Thank you for being honest and telling me. Now we can go for healing and, and repentance and all of that. And so the Holy Spirit is there because kids in the room, uh, us parents, we will find out. When we have the Holy Spirit, yeah, are you listening over there? We will find out. And you think, well, you know, I'm going to be real sneaky. I'm not going to say anything. But you know what? When your parents are hearing and trusting in God, we're going to find out. And we love you. God loves you. And so we want the best for you. And how do you feel when things are finally revealed? <sighs> A weight is lifted. But you're thinking, well, wait a minute, there's trust that's been broken. What do you do with broken trust? How do you rebuild trust? Well, years ago, we had a situation 
And, and I was talking with a pastor, and I was like, how do you hold someone accountable without bringing up their past? I talked to a young man this past week. He doesn't have a good relationship with his mother. She's out of the country. He's like, yeah. He goes, I'm good. I'm clean now. But he goes, she keeps, every time I go back and I try to talk to my mom, she always brings up, well, you were in prison, and you did this, and you did that. And he goes, oh, I don't want to hear it anymore. She keeps drudging up the past, probably because she's embarrassed. But you know what? Her son's doing amazing now. And she's missing out in, her, in his life with his grandkids because there's that breach there. But how do, you, how do you hold someone accountable without bringing up the past? Let's do it God's way. Because I talked to this pastor, and the pastor said, I don't know. But let's pray about it. God's got the answer. So I went and I started praying about it. I asked God, and he revealed it so beautifully to me. He said, I don't bring up your past. So why, why do you think you can need to bring up their past to hold them accountable? He says, no, you hold the person accountable for the present and the future. So as a mother, with, if, if trust needs to be rebuilt... I told my children, I said, hey, if I see you doing something right here and right now that's wrong, I'm going to be on you. And if I see you drifting in the future, I'm going to reel, reel you back in. And so that's how you can, you can be, uh, you can, uh, where did I put that? You can celebrate the present and you can anticipate the future with hope, with love, with joy, without even bringing up their past. Because don't, aren't you glad that his mercies are new every yeah. morning for all of us? That's yeah. Lamentations 3, chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. God's mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. That sure sounds a lot like our best days are right in front of us. Praise God. Every time that sun comes up, oh, thank God I've got a new day. So... We don't want to remember our past mistakes, so we don't want to bring up the past mistakes of our loved ones when we're rebuilding that trust. So important. So why do we think we just need God's love to love people? Oh, I, 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 I don't, I love you with God's love, but I don't really like you right now. <laughs> we've all been there, right? And we've been told, use God's love. God's love is big enough. Well, why do we just use his love why can't we use his joy? In Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is my strength. See, it's not my joy, it's his joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So we, we tap into that to get our strength. And then why can't we use the faith of God when we feel like, God, we need more faith. God, I need more faith. The disciples said, pray for us. We need more faith. Well, it said in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, have the faith of God. Do you think God's got enough for us? He's got enough for him and enough to give us. What about the peace? John 16, 33. In me, you will have peace. And patience. There's a big one. We need that, right? Psalms 86, verse 15. For you, O Lord, are merciful and gracious, slow to anger. Thank you, Lord. Doesn't that sound like peace to yeah. you? So we not, need to not just tap into God's love to give people. We need to tap into his joy, his peace, his patience, his trust, 
Because this whole chapter that we're, that, that, that we're finishing up on is God is or love is. What is God? God is love and love is God. Works both ways there. So when we talk about the God kind of love, we're talking about him. And so love is trusting, always trusting. Now this is what this verse, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7 that we're dissecting right now. In the Message Bible, it says, and I always personalize it, so instead of it is, I always say, I will. I will strain forward with all my might to believe the very best in every situation. I always expect and anticipate the best in others and the best for others. So love never stops trusting. You know, People I, are not trustworthy, but God is. I remember, remember when we were working for the 99, and I remember our director, uh, th- that was a ministry that we traveled with for five years on the road. And I remember our director one time, we had several ministry vehicles, and this one young man, you know, all of our, we traveled with interns. We had about eight or nine interns, and they were all college age, and most of them were younger than 22. And so they all drove our vehicles as we traveled, you know. Well, after a couple years, you know, they became really good drivers because we were driving constantly. But I remember this one young man that, you know, I don't know if it just wasn't registering, you know, driving vehicles, but he had, we didn't let him drive very much because of the fact that he didn't make quality decisions all the time. And so we were trying to work with him, but, but he wound up not driving a lot. And, and I remember um, having a conversation with the director, and he said, I, I said, what do you think about this guy driving? He said, no, I, you know, he said, let's, here's the approved drivers, you know, and use these guys. And <clears throat> so I remember this young man, though, came to the director, and he said, you know, I'm just really, I don't understand why I don't get to drive. Everybody else around me gets to drive. And the director came to me, and he said, you know, it's, it's hurting my heart that he feels I don't trust him. He said, so here's what I'm going to do. Is I'm going to give him opportunities to drive, but with nobody else in the vehicle. You know, so we'll send him to the store. And we'll, but we had to be, you know what I mean? We had to be, it was very wise because we didn't want to endanger other people's lives because that's really what was happening before. But the, the, he saw that this young man needed that trust. And when you do that, you're willing to trust other people. Man, you should have seen this young man. Where are you going? I'm going to the store. The director needs me to pick up something. You know, I mean, it totally changed his attitude and his world. So well, I used to say, you know, have low expectations in people and high expectations in God. But I don't want to have low expectations anymore. I want to have realistic and attainable expectations and so that's exactly what you just explained so we're not we're not just just the bare minimum no Uh -uh. we we want we want attainable and realistic expectations and then that's how you build trust back in to that relationship that's really good so number three that was number two never losing uh love never stops trusting number three is love never loses hope never loses hope so Hope is very important. There are so many things that hinge on hope. Think about Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now faith 
is the substance of things hoped for. There's a hope out there. And all of the promises of God are in the Scripture because they give us a hope. Look at this Scripture. This is an interesting Scripture. This is in Romans 15, verse 4. It says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through encouragement of Scriptures we might have hope. Now, I talked to you a little bit about how I met Nicole, you know, and then we didn't see each other for four years. We started writing through the mail. Well, let me tell you, I, I, when I realized, I knew way back when we dated that this was the kind of girl that I wanted to marry, um, you know, years before. But then when I started writing her, I, I was inspired to do things. In fact, I, I rented back then, you know, not a, you didn't have these cell phones that you have now with cameras and stuff. But I went to a video store and rented a video camera, the kind that you put, you know, like the broadcasters. And I took her on a video date. And me and my buddy, and we, and we took her, you know, out to the restaurant. We went and tried to look. We looked at Christmas lights. Christmas lights that were already together, taken down. It that was were dark, turned off. They weren't yeah. on still anymore. But I don't know why. It was very creative. I said, but you could see the lights, you know, that they just weren't lit. Uh, but, and then, you know, and then... Uh, I did all kinds of crazy things with letters. His letters, he, he would illustrate his letters. He always made me laugh. And, Let me tell you, young even, men, older men, women make you do some things, don't, don't they? I mean, you get inspired, and you do things that you probably wouldn't normally do. And why? Because there's hope. Why was I doing all that? There was hope. <laughs> this is the kind of girl that I want to marry. There's a hope someday that I will be able to put a ring on her finger that I'll be able to hold her hand and we'll, we'll be able to walk down, she'll be able to walk down an aisle, meet me, and we'll look at each other into the eyes and say our vows and get married. That was the hope, right? Come on, some, some of you are just not romantic, I and guess. When we, when we said it's our like vows, a Hallmark movie happening up here right when, now. When we said our vows, um, actually both of our parents were up there and married us, mom and dad. Johnson were on this side, mom and dad. My, my parents were up behind us. And, Bartlett. And... Um, so Pastor when Lee. I was on this side, of course, and, and you were on that side. I was? and Because um, the yes. grooms were on that side. Yeah. And um, so I repeated my vows first. Yes. And then it was time for you to repeat your vows. And when you started, I said, what? Oh, I wasn't speaking loud enough. He wasn't talking loud enough for I everybody. needed a microphone. I wanted them to, because I was born with the microphone. I don't really need this in my she hand. She was. But I said, what? And then right behind him, his, his mom, Miss Jane, was like, <laughs> she started laughing, you know, <laughs> that I would, I would do that at the, at the ceremony. But it was, it was great. It was okay, good. and moving on. I was, so. I, was, I was very good. I didn't get too crazy. You can live with a lot without a lot of things, but you cannot live without hope. Remember, we were talking about God, how good God is over the offering, that all good things come from Him, and God is where our hope lies. When I was in Tulsa, when I lived there, I worked for a production company called Impact Productions, and I was a video editor, and my job was to tag the commercials that we made and put the church's information or the nonprofit organization's information on the end of the commercial, and then I would duplicate the copy that we would send to the broadcast station so they could air their commercials. And that was my job. And one of the commercials that we had was a commercial about hope. And so let me try and paint the picture. It's an it's a apartment uh, 
like an efficiency apartment, really, really dark, really, really not nice, you know. And the only thing that's on is the TV with snow on it. How many of you remember the old rabbit ears, you know, not like now where it's digital. Okay, Uh, a few of us. Oh, really? Austin, wow. And so, (laughs) snow. So the snow is on the TV. And let me read to you the narration. This is the narration of the commercial. It said, man, I'll try and do my radio voice. Man can I won't do my radio voice. Man can live without air for three to five minutes, without water for one week, without sleep for 11 days. I didn't know that. And without food for 40 days. But how long can a man live without hope? Jesus, the hope of the world. And that's exactly what he is. He is the hope. We have a hope as a Christian that we will someday, when we step out of this body, will be present with Jesus in heaven, right? Because the alternative is not good. It's bleak, right? Okay. Well, let's read this scripture together. Hope is important in this. Hebrews 6 verse 19 says this, Hope is the anchor of your soul. Hope is the anchor of your soul. What does an anchor do? It keeps a boat from drifting, right? When you put the anchor down, all of a sudden the boat, is stationary. But what happens when that boat is not anchored and the engine's not on? It's going to get pushed wherever the water decides to take it, wherever the wind and the waves push that boat. That's where that boat is going to go. And that's what happens to people when their hope is not anchored. So let me give you some things. I think this will be inspiring for you. Um, How to set your anchor. How to set your anchor. First thing you need to do is you need to remove the stopper. On nicer boats, there's a stopper uh, that you have to remove so that you can let down the anchor, okay? There are so many things that try to stop people from putting their hope in God. It could be experiences that you've had. It could be other things that would resist you from putting your hope in God. But that's the first thing you have to do is you have to take that stopper off. Second thing you obviously have to do is let the anchor down. You know, be willing to release your anchor. Sometimes this takes a quality decision from us that we're going to put our anchor, we're going to anchor our hope in God. Then the next thing you need to do, this is interesting, you keep your bow, the bow of the boat, into the waves, into the wind, and you take the slack out of the line on the anchor. You've already released the anchor. Let's say you're 20 feet down to the bottom. You release 100 feet of line. And your, and your bow, the bow of your boat now needs to be in the wind, right? So here's the importance of that, is that when you face resistance, it pulls the slack out of your line. Because the first thing that happens when you decide to put your hope in God, when you decide to put your hope in His promise that He made you in, in His Word, the first, one of the first opportunities you're, you're going to have is the slack is going to get jerked out of your line because you're going to be tested. Are you sure? Are you sure you're going to put your hope in there, in that verse? Because here's what the reports say. Here's what the doctor says. Here's what your financial counselor says. This is the situation. Are you sure you want to put your faith and your hope in this promise over here? Some of you are being tested now, especially in tithing. You know, you've, you've stepped out. Maybe you've decided to start to tithe. Well, I... God... I don't know. Let me tell you, if you put your hope in God and in His promise regarding the tithe, you won't be disappointed. 
Do I need to say that again? Because not, not everybody's on the page. You'll never be disappointed when you trust God, when you put your hope and your faith in God, right? And then the next thing you need to do is you have to re- put the boat in reverse to set the anchor. They recommend 1,500 RPM at about 40 to 50 seconds, by the way. But you want to put it in reverse, right? you got to set the anchor. And so how does that apply to you in anchoring your hope? You need, sometimes we have to back away from things. We need to put the boat in reverse and pull away from people, from situations, from certain type of talk, talk that's negative, talk that's complaining. Sometimes we have to pull away from different things that are feeding our soul. It could be media. It could be social media. It could be online on the internet. Sometimes just by backing away from that, set your anchor in God amen and then the last thing is this is that you have to have a reference once your anchor is set you need to have a reference some a lot of boatmen will use you know if there's a shoreline close something that they can see what's the reference for it's to make sure that you your anchor doesn't come up and you start drifting and you start moving so you need to have a reference what is our reference our reference is the word of God if God said it It's absolute truth. Amen. Man, good preaching, Pastor Phil. So, let me read to you. Let me read to you. I'm encouraging myself. I'm doing what David said right here. Psalm 42, verse 11. David said, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? (laughs) I will put my hope in God, and I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. David was saying, wait a minute. There's all these circumstances. There's all these situations. I'm living in a cave. I'm running for my life. Just a few months ago, I destroyed the giant. I killed the giant, and now everybody wants me dead. What is wrong? But he didn't sit around and complain. What did David do? He put his hope in God. He put his trust in God. Wow. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope delayed makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life here's what will happen is when your promise is delayed which that happens at times it's not time to pull your anchor up you shouldn't pull your anchor up just because it's a delayed hope you should continue to stand knowing that God is able to fulfill what he promised is he is God a liar I don't see anybody shaking their head yes no he's not a liar The devil is a liar. He is the one that's lying to people. Man, you know, I was thinking about uh, Jim Jim and Holly. Hi. Because, you know, they were sharing, back in December, they had it on their heart to put their home up for sale. And when they did, you know, I remember you, you got a low ball offer you know, that you didn't respond to. But then you got a real offer. And then you negotiated and had a contract. And they not, they not only had a contract, they, they, they went and put earnest money down on another home. So they were ready to make this swap, ready to sell here and move. You know, I don't know how much of your stuff you were taking with you. You were getting all new furniture for your new house over here. And then what happened was the people on their house, the contract fell through. They decided they didn't want it after all. And Jim and Holly had an opportunity to pull their anchor up and say, you know what? This deal's over. 
But you didn't decide to do that, did you? You put the house back on the market. And you know what? Today, they had an offer, an offer for full price. No? It was a good offer, though. It was one that you were happy about. Jim's giving me a thumb up. So it was a good offer. So he had an offer on his home, on their home, but then you had a backup offer come in. And now they found another home, and now they're getting ready to move. So they didn't pull up their anchor. So I'm, I'm encouraging you this morning, don't pull your anchor up. Don't decide, hey, you know, it just doesn't look like it, it's working out, so I'm just going to yank my anchor up, you know, and we'll go find another spot to put our anchor down. Let me tell you, you don't want to put your anchor of hope anywhere else except in God. And number four, never quit, honey. Never quit. I was looking up Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. The joy set before him was you. Yeah. He didn't quit. He didn't give up. He kept trusting in his father. Thank you. He said, no, I have to fulfill everything that I've come to do because of you. You are the joy that he saw when he went to the cross. That was 2,000 plus years ago. That's how powerful God is. We sang this morning that before we even breathed our first breath, he breathed life into us. He had you on, your, on his mind. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why Jesus said, I'll go. I'll do it for you, for me. He never quit on us. So let's not quit on him. His word is worth trusting. His word is worth speaking and standing on. He didn't want heaven without us. So he brought heaven down. But you may think, well, my sin was so great. I, he, he can never forgive for what I've done. His love is greater. Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Vision Church vision for life.